All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Revive Cast. On today's episode, I have a familiar face here. What's up, guys? Mr. Matt Jansen. Um, he is co owner of Revive MD Supplements and Raw. Um, me and Matt go pretty far back. I've known him since 2013. Um, I first met him at his, uh, I think it was Tricky Jackson Classic. Uh, you were competing at what class? So I was, <laughs> I was a hundred. This is actually a good story for what yes. we're going to talk about today. I wanted, I was 164 pounds, but I, when I weighed in, I was 167 and I was oh, like, I, I was this. dead set on making 164. <clears throat> so I did sauna rounds. I did sprint bike and this was all after not eating all day. So I think what we're going to get into, I want Alan to talk about it, but we're going to talk about mistakes that we've made. We're going to talk about basically our evolution as, as coaches. Um, but I did a podcast yesterday, and one of the things that I said on that podcast is one of my my biggest passions within coaching right now is to help younger guys with all the mistakes that I made, so that way they don't have to remake them. Um, and even if it's only fifty, you know, forty to fifty percent of the mistakes that I made, that I'm at least saving them in that regard. So, yeah, that was kind of our introduction. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the, the whole thing, guys, is we want to be real with you. Um, Nobody is perfect out the gate when it comes to coaching or being a competitor or just if they're just trying to look better, feel better, lose X amount of weight. Um, we all make mistakes along the way. <clears throat> the thing is to take those mistakes you make and learn from them, improve your ability as a coach, or if you're doing it yourself to learn from those mistakes and not do those repetitively over and over again. Sure. Because that's where we kind of get into this conundrum of people's kind of health deteriorating over time. Because anybody, the first time they diet down, Let's for lifestyle for a competition. The first time they, they make pretty good progress easily because regardless of what you do, as long as you're kind of eating less and doing more output, you're, you're going to get leaner. Your body responds. Yeah, right? Yeah. But then the next time and the next time, stuff just starts getting harder and harder because you keep repeating that same process over again, not realizing that something's going on. Sure. Right? And these are issues that we're going to get into a little bit deeper. Um, so, yeah, like Matt talked about, we're going to kind of go through our evolution of coaching uh, from when we first started to where things have come to kind of full circle at this point in time within the clinic, within the supplement brand, um, and mistakes that we've made coming up. So hopefully you guys will learn from this and you won't go down some of these rabbit holes that we went down. Um, and that's the whole kind of premise behind this in that you're not, you're never going to do something like perfect right out the gate. Um, we're all going to make these mistakes, but you need to be able to look to your peers, uh, to mentors, to people who have been there and done that and listen to what they're telling you. Because trust me, I mean, I'm sure we've both been there and hard headed at some points. Like we kind of were setting our ways a little bit and we weren't fully open our eyes up to what was going on. And we all have those light bulb moment moments to where, oh, wow, like so-and-so was right. Yeah. Or I yeah. need to do this differently. Yeah. Um, so where like when you first started coaching like what kind of was the mentality let's, let's, let's talk about nutrition first like what was your mindset when you're whether it was coaching a lifestyle person or, or a competitor what was your mindset as far as dieting them so just to start off this conversation i think it's it's really important for me to say that one of the biggest evolutions in my coaching process over time is I care a lot less about what other people think of me. 100%. Um, and through doing that, it's given me a lot of freedom, you know, mm -hmm. ultimately, because if you care a lot less about, I care about what the right people think of me. Yeah. Um, but just overall public perception, I, I don't lose sleep over it anymore. Yep. So with that being said, I think 
one of the biggest things that I want to share now is that I'm confident in not knowing all the answers and I'm, and, and that's okay. hundred percent. Yes. Um, so I think earlier on and, and even like earlier on when I first started coaching, there was a huge Facebook culture mm-hmm. and there was coat, you know, not coaching groups, but bodybuilding groups within yep. the Facebook culture where one of the things that I started to, to notice early on was that like, it wasn't okay. And it wasn't accepted for coaches to be asking questions which I think is one of the most bastardized things. Like if you look at any athletic realm, whether it's NFL, whether it's the NCAA coaches are, are actively learning from coaches and Mm -hmm. that's how they move up the ranks. Whereas in bodybuilding for a lot of our years, that was not accepted. It was like, you either figure this out all on your your own or you're stupid. Um, and, And there was times where I would reach out to other coaches, just truly trying to learn. And that would be screenshot and then shared as, yep. oh, Matt doesn't know what he's talking about. Yep. Look at this question that, that, you know, so like that was a hard part of me coming up. But I would say early on, um, I want to give credit to Jason Theobald. I worked with Jason Theobald mm-hmm. early on. So my initial like introduction into bodybuilding, I think, was very positive because Jason did a great job in, in terms of leading me in the direction of refeeding individuals yep. and when to do that. So I, I had a pretty good grasp on that. Um, but I think the biggest mistake that I was making nutritionally was, was being set rather than fitting the system to the individual, yep. making the individual fit into a system. Yep. Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes that I made. And then just not really paying attention to biofeedback markers because I didn't know what to look for, you know, so other than just the cosmetic look and fat loss, I wasn't aware enough to, to, to focus on sleep, to focus on recovery, to focus on the fact that. You know, this person's not on anabolics, but all of a sudden they're losing their hunger during a diet. Mm-hmm. Why is that happening? You know, all those things. So I think the biggest mistakes that I made early on was just in simply not being aware of all the variables that you really need to account for. Yeah, like that's a big one, like looking at other markers outside just a picture and scale weight, right? Because with digestion, with their sleep, that's, that's an important part of recovery and facilitation of that. And when we're not looking, even, you know, uh, blood pressure is a huge one, especially in the bodybuilding uh, realm. Sure. Um, those markers, those biometrics need to be looked at. Um, you can argue other things like fasted blood glucose. I mean, I will look at that if there's other red flags that are popping up, right? Because that's always contextual with, with, with blood glucose. Now, obviously, we need it to be in a relatively good spot, but I'm not going to sit here and say that it needs to be 75 or 80 or whatever. Right. It's still contextual. But we need to look at markers outside of the picture and scale weight because – and there are still coaches nowadays that are doing that. Look, we got to see the scale trending down. But what if they're looking better? Um, but what if they're not looking better and the scale is trending down? Or their sleep's going to crap? Or they're, they're gas and they're bloated? Um, they're having irregular bowel movements. Like, that's, that's all interconnected and interplaying with one another. I know you had went through about uh, digestive issues. I did yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and it's from the old school mentality of how you should diet for a bodybuilding show, cutting lots of things out right. and being just like, you know, the fish and the rice and just very plain, um, not looking at nutrient density, um, helping protect the microbiome, the uh, integrity of the gut lining, intestinal permeability, all that fun stuff. Yep. Um, so like when you went through that personally yourself with the digestive issues, how did you start figuring that out on your own? And did, did that enlighten you on how to approach your Yeah. So, you know, I'll be really transparent with you guys. I had very, very bad digestive Mm -hmm. issues to the point where I could not go to the bathroom without stimulation. Um, And it was almost like, for lack of better word, like an addiction for me. Um, And I was even hiding it from my wife early on one because I was in a new marriage and I was 
embarrassed and ashamed, I guess you could say, but like I was, I was purchasing, um, things to make me go to the bathroom without her knowing about it and hiding it from her simply because I didn't want her to know. So like, I think that's another thing. There's so many illnesses for lack of better words or, or bad thought processes that, that can come from doing the wrong things and then doing the wrong things, whether it's your, your mental approach to competing, to working out, having to work out mm-hmm. every day, um, digestive issues. But with me, I think the biggest issues with my digestive issues centered around overconsumption of egg whites. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I liked egg whites so much was because of the volume. Yep. And I think that's another thing a lot of dieters deal with, especially within the macro-based world, is yep. they're trying to get as much volume as sure. possible rather than nutrition density. And then the other thing was is that I was always titrating up my fiber intake carbs on my refeeds to help me feel fuller. Cool. Yep. So I would go from maybe having 150 grams of sweet potato all week long, you know, every day. And then on my high days, I would go up to like 1,500 and then, you know, the same thing with like, I love broccoli at the time. So I was doing things. I think that the initial issue started with me with egg whites, because even to this day, if, you know, if we even like we go to Osceola yeah, or yeah. enjoy, like I still have a little bit of issue with them and I don't consume them at all other than when we go out to yeah. breakfast. Um, so that compounded with an allergy to egg whites. And then I was doing like way too much fiber, especially for being 160 pounds. And yeah. it was just way too much for my gut. I mean, 150 grams of sweet potato to 400 to a thousand yeah that's excessive i mean you're talking almost a 20 30 gram right increase in, in fiber in one day right like there's nobody that's gonna be able to handle that so yeah so early on like i once i started to really figure out these issues in myself um i also started using betaine hcl which mm-hmm. betaine hcl like changed my life at one point um i just really started to go to softer carb sources in terms of more rices and things like that and base basically my nutrient intake of carbs around that and i started using that with my athletes i mean even to today like i'll put oatmeal and some potato in people's plans if they enjoy it and they don't sure. have digestive issues but it's not my go-to especially with the bodybuilders as carbs are really getting up high um but it's just like, again, it's, it's being aware of whenever I look at somebody's diet, when they come to me now, I'm just very aware of those common triggers. Sure. Um, and, and again, back then I, I wasn't, and, and I was putting myself through the ringer, you know, just because I didn't understand what was causing this, because I think what people really lack within the bodybuilding community still to today is that not all healthy foods are bodybuilding friendly nope. and then not all quote unquote bodybuilding foods need to be used for every bodybuilder. Yep. Um, I mean, fruit's another one. Like, fruit used to be demonized in the bodybuilding community. Still is. Like, <laughs> like, don't eat it during prep. Like, oh, my God, you're going to hold water or whatever the, the mindset is. Um, but, I mean, I, I mean, I can relate because I went through the same thing with the potatoes. I did the exact same thing. I yeah. would eat, like, ridiculous amounts because they make you feel the satiety Full, levels so yeah. much. And you're so hungry all the time. Right. And then I developed an uh, almost an allergic reaction to potatoes. Like I, every time I would eat them, I would go straight to the bathroom. I'd be bloated, gassy, and I couldn't figure out what the hell was going on because I was eating a quote unquote clean food. Correct. I'm like it can't be the potatoes. What, yeah. What's causing my issues? Lo and behold, I get rid of the potatoes. I go back to normal. Right. Right. Um, my issues developed a little. I mean, it was probably it was only like four years ago I developed my digestive issues. So guys, this it can hit somebody in a year. It can hit somebody in ten years, fifteen. Right. So that's the thing. Like with this whole podcast, is to learn the process and not making those mistakes along the way. But, you know, diversity of food, I think, is important. I also think, like, with the the community that has to eat, like, very high amounts of carbohydrates, there's there's got to be a point to where 
it's okay at that point to have juices and more processed foods exactly. that are easier to break down. There's nothing wrong with juices either, guys, especially on high carbs. Um, at the same time, don't neglect fiber. Fiber is not the enemy, right? So it's it's that balance. Like everybody has a threshold to what they can handle from a fiber standpoint. Yes. Um, you should be able, you should kind of max out your threshold, but you've got to kind of watch it, titrate it up slowly to see where that's at and then pull back a little bit and then maintain that. Right. right? Through, and that's through the entire part of like a deficit as well because as food volume goes down those nutrient levels go down and then fiber content goes down so that's when supplementation is going to come in there to again supplement what you're not able to put in your body from right. a nutrient perspective would you agree with that yeah 100 percent. Yeah. Um, so like i mean this is where the interconnection of you know, supplementation with good nutrition with good lifestyle um, reading biofeedback all of this is interconnected into good coaching and how we've both evolved over the years on reading these things um, Something else just really quick on digestion yeah. too. I think environmental factors and stress can play oh, a hu huge role. Like it, it could ha literally have nothing to do with what you're eating at all. Stress and sleep, you know, even like this weekend for, for us, when we were in Vegas, mm -hmm. we were there for 27 hours. Yeah, that's like So my first night of sleep was disrupted. I went to bed at two 30 and I was up at seven. The second night we went to bed at one and I was up at four. So that's only three hours of sleep. And the, the impact that that's had on my digestion for the last few days is, is, and it wasn't food related at all. I just think that our bodies were meant to sleep. That's when the healing process really occurs. And if you dis disrupt that process, which oftentimes during a contest prep yeah. is disrupted, then that can cause a trigger within your digestion as well. Yeah, stress hundred percent because like guys, when you, when you, when you go in that sympathetic fight or flight mode, right? When you're stressed. So two major systems are going to be shut down, your immune system um, and your digestive system. Not shut down, but down-regulated. So production of pancreatic enzymes, production of HCL within the stomach is going to be much lower. So your body's ability to process those food goes down. And then obviously you're going to get more symptom symptoms pop up that you don't necessarily have that symptom. It's just the stress that's causing them. So obviously when you get the stress back under control, then the symptoms will kind of go away and then you'll be back to normal. But the stress is the cause and it has nothing to do with the food at all. So it's sometimes as simple as look, reduce stress or manage it. Right. Get more sleep. Yeah. Like with sleep, like that's, there's one, like there's a component that goes through your gut called the migrating motor complex. It's kind of like this, this broom that kind of sweeps out all the excess pathogens and stuff that's in there when you're not eating for, you know, eight plus hours. That's an important part. If so it's like Matt, you're sleeping for three or sleeping to four, that can't do its job. So things are kind of going to get built up and backed up. Right. So then you go to eat. Oh, I'm getting bloated a little bit easier. I'm having a little more gas and, you know, just compounds. compounds yeah. One yeah. thing to the next. So, yeah, stress is a huge part of, like, pretty much all of this. So, um, so talking on, we, we touched on the digestion. So what other factors you think have evolved for you to better serve your clients. Now we can obviously, and I honestly think like with people all say competitors lifestyle, physiology is physiology. Yeah. Yeah. So the only real difference between the two is for a, a competitor is we're going to extremes as far as body fat levels. And we're also going to extremes with the amount of muscle tissue you're putting on their body. Right. It's like there are two ends of the spectrum, but there's still the middle ground where commonality between the two and how you approach it. You're just pushing one envelope as opposed to a lifestyle client. Sure. Right. So you, everything that we talk about applies to everybody, but it's to what degree are we doing this? So like within the coaching aspect, right. Um, there's, there's, 
Bodybuilding is just not healthy. We all know that, right? That's okay. If you want to be great at any like specific sport, I don't care what it is, NFL, NBA, you have sacrifices you have to make to your body and health a little bit. But what we try to do is mitigate that negative response. You're going to cause hormonal downregulation. You're going to cause metabolic adaptation to a degree. What we try to get across with athletes and stuff is let's try to mitigate that as much as possible, but also understanding how to bring them back out of that right. as fast as possible to a healthier point and not prolong that process. So like take into account, like when we dieted someone down before we learned what we learned, when you came out of a prep scenario or even basic dieting, did you just typically reverse them out? Like it was literally just bring some food up, maybe really slow just to mitigate fat gain and you yeah. know, how was your approach? Then? So that's, that's a great question because I, this I think is another huge mistake that I made. And, and at one point I was in this like extreme obsession with trying to slowly build up my macros as, mm-hmm. as much as I could while staying as lean as I could. Oh. So I would, you know, add 10 to 15 grams of carbs some weeks and just try to do this months on end. Um, and what I, what I found and what I looked back and like the turning point for me was I competed up through the second week of November, that, that contest year. And then obviously right after that is Thanksgiving. And a few weeks after Thanksgiving, I like kind of sat down and had this conversation with myself that I just realized that through that whole day with my family, I was just doing extreme math equations in my head all day long because I was so concerned with my rebound and my, you know, doing a perfect reverse that I couldn't even enjoy Thanksgiving with my family because everything on my plate, I was like, okay, well, if I eat this, I got to subtract this and I got to do this. And like, Mm. that's another thing, you know, again, within my coaching structure now, I try so hard to correct the issues that, that I had and that I made, um, and, and not not that anything is wrong with with macro dieting. I, I don't. All diets are macro based, whether you're following a sure. set plan or not. But what I think is the the mental approach to why you're doing it, and then not being consumed by it. Mm-hmm. Something else that I did during those rebounds is I would stay in the grocery store for forever. Oh yeah, because you're just looking at labels like how can I fit this in? How can I do this? And, and that to me is just not healthy. So one change that I've really made is I try to get people back to a point of stability as fast as possible, not only for their performance and leverages in the gym, but one of the first markers I'm looking at is their sleep post prep, um, trying to get that back regulated as soon as possible. And what, what I mean by that is, is typically during prep, like you sleep lighter, you don't sleep as long. Um, regardless of, you know, what's gone on in your day, you're, you're up at six o'clock in the morning or whatever time your cardio is. And like, you just, you, you, have almost like an anxiety type feel in the morning that you have to get things done. Like yep. that's kind of the, yep. the common prep mindset. Oh, yeah. But like once you get to that point, and I ask my athletes this, like, you know, how did you sleep? What time did you wake up? Are you able to just sleep in? Once an athlete tells me that they're able to sleep in, then I'm like, okay, now we're finding some mm-hmm. safety within, you know, that phase of yep. their, their rebound. So that's one thing that I look at. Um, I really am not concerned. I, you know, if you look across the board with a lot of the people that I help, none of them are fat, but I'm not concerned with like trying to crawl out of the gates because I think if you're crawling out of the gates, you're just delaying the inevitable for one and two, it's going to keep your health markers in a poor spot longer. Yeah. Um, I so mean, that's, that's a, a big thing. That's for me. huge. Um, I used to do the same thing. 15, 20 grams of carbs. Yeah. It's just like, like obsession. I'm trying to minimize that fat gain and maximize. Uh, I mean, you're actually doing a disservice to your body. Number one, especially for the hormonal adaptations, you have to feed the adrenals. You have to feed the thyroid um, to 
come back to life, so to speak, because you do occur those normal adaptations, but at the same time, it's a down regulation, and we have to bring those levels back up as fast as possible from a health perspective, not just cosmetic. So you have to look at balancing the two. Now, right. obviously, we don't go insane with calories at the same time. We bring them up enough, like like maybe you bring them up 20%, 30%. You see how somebody responds in a week, adjust, adjust, adjust. You just keep adjusting. Maybe it stays the same the entire time, depending on how they're progressing, of course, and it's always a constant assessment. But that crawling out of the great gates mentality is a horrible way to go about reversing out of anything because, like Matt says, you're prolonging the inevitable, inevitable at that point, and especially if you're natural. Like, that's a huge one. Like, and we've done testing on this. It, it takes 16 weeks. I don't care who it is for their hormones to upregulate to just a normal function. Yeah. So if you're at an extreme deficit and you're bumping your calories, maybe 50 to 100 calories a week, you're turning that 16 weeks into like 24 weeks. Yeah. And then what if you want to prep again the next year? You don't even actually start an quote unquote off season until you're regulated. Right. Right. So. And then you're going right back into yeah, it. Yeah, and then now you're starting to cause that kind of yo-yo effect and cascade of issues yeah. and why the next prep gets harder and the next prep gets harder. Yeah. Um, and another thing let's touch on is like time spent in a surplus, right? Because everybody nowadays, either they want to stay lean all the time, which is just unhealthy, um, just because of the pressure of you know society, social media, that they need to look a certain way all the time. Um, and how you kind of, go to your athletes and they want to come to you and like, okay, they competed, but then they want to compete again four months later or six months later. What's your approach as far as communication to them on like what's best obviously for their um, longevity and what they're doing? Yeah. So just a little side note too, because I think it's as equally applicable just as, as Alan just talked about, about you need to have a specific time and a deficit, which we're going to jump more into. The same thing can be said for blood work. And one of the, I, I face this issue every week. I like to have my athletes do blood work every quarter. So that way, especially enhanced athletes. Oh, 100%. So yeah. if what I like to try to do is I like to try to catch them mid cycle. I like to try to catch them at the end of the cycle. And then obviously we work to correct issues. And then, and then we see where they're at post cycle at some point. Oh. The mindset of so many competitors that I work with is the second their blood work looks good, yeah they think it's time to go back on. And, yes. and that is one of, that's a huge misunderstanding because guys, you want to spend a majority of your year with your blood work looking good. Okay. If you get it good and then jump right back into having red markers at once again, especially with organ function, that means you're spending a majority of your year with red markers with your organ function. And that chronically year after year is going to, is going to play a huge role. So, so don't try to get just a snapshot of good blood work within the moment and think, okay, now I'm safe to go back on. That's not the point. Um, now, as far as the food, what I, this is what I say, like ultimately we as coaches, we, we really are high end customer service uh, yeah, representatives. Yep. So I, I basically give people the option, especially females. I feel like they struggle with this a little bit more. I say, look, like I can, I want to, I want to say my two cents. This is how long I think you need to be in a surplus. Now, if you just want to disregard that and jump into a prep, you can, but I think X, Y, and Z is going to happen because of that. And then I just leave the choice up to them. Um, I love it when people trust me enough to, to really allow me to coach them. Sometimes that's just not the, sure. the situation, you know, but I do preface it by saying like, you have two options here. I think you're going to benefit a lot more for staying in a surplus for a certain amount of time, because basically, especially on the female side, and I know you can attest to this, like every time a female enters into prep, it seems like their body trusts them a little bit less yes. every time. 
So like you have to get your body into a state of just being okay with having some body fat. And then, you know, and I'll talk about Jordan. Jordan was like, when I prepped my wife, um, she was a great person to work with because she didn't have a negative relationship with her body ever. She was an athlete growing up. It wasn't about what she looked like within the moment. So the first time we dieted her, like you said earlier on, like it was flawless. Mm -hmm. And then she went back into, I'm just going to be okay just being a normal girl in her off season and training hard and eating for enjoyment, but not being ridiculous. And then that next prep was just as easy because she Mm -hmm. wasn't obsessed with holding this look all the time. And I think especially for women, like you have to be okay with looking womanly. And honestly, that's how you should look in your off seasons. Yeah. Women can't guys. I mean, you can like even like 14, 15%. That's low for a female to be carrying all year. Very low. Even that number may sound high for a guy. I mean, you got a guy and a girl are, are night and day for how they need to be approached. And I made that mistake. I'm sure you did as well. Coming up when you first started coaching females, um, we didn't treat them as differently as we should have, right? right? Um, because a physiology of a female has way more moving parts than a guy. Honestly, guys are 10 times easier to diet because you can do a lot more things to them and their body is very resilient. Resilient, yeah. You, a female you can run not, a guy into the ground yeah, over and, and over. And they'll recover. And they'll <laughs> yeah. recover fairly fast. A woman is completely different. And I like your point about, you know, being real with them too and how long you would like them to be in an off season and, and being a surplus. And that's, taking responsibility as a coach saying that, but this is where the client responsibility comes in. Like, look, I'm telling you what you should do. And if you decide otherwise, and you want to prep sooner, you just need to realize what could possibly happen during the scenario. And it may be harder. You may not look as good. You may not look better than you did last time. And you may tank your health markers even more. Yeah. But that's on you. You're hiring me for hiring me for service. And I understand that as, as, as coaches, we get pressured obviously because the client is paying us to do a certain thing. Now, I do think there's obviously a little give and take there. Like, if there's some major red flags as a coach, you just need to say, look, do the right we, thing. Have to, we have to pull you out. Like, yeah. there's no way I'm going to take you to that level because there's too many things off. Right. Right? Other than that, it's 100% on the client at that point. Because like, yeah. we lay down the cards, like, this is what could happen. Not saying it will, but it could. So as long as you're okay with that, then, hey, let's go. Like, look. If you play second at a national show and you're just right on the brink of winning that pro card or whatever, okay, understand the mind. Sure, sure. Yeah. You know, I, I've done that to myself, but at the same time, understand that you just it just may not work as well as you think it's going to. Right. And we needed to tell the clients that and be upfront with them, and not just sell them on, oh yeah, great. Even though your markers are going to shit, we're going to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Yeah. Like with females, uh, amenorrhea is just it's fairly common obviously when they get to a certain body fat percentage that's going to occur now my timeline within that like if you had a minoria and then you're coming back and obviously after a prep or a diet you get it back um i i mine's roughly about six months at least having your cycle back before, before you, you should even attempt a fat loss phase yeah um, because obviously up until you started having a cycle you weren't Everything was downregulated. You just got it back. Things are still aren't perfect. Right. It's and the then same, it's same mindset. Yeah. Yeah. So there's still like guidelines and stuff that I will go and, by. And I, I'm sh- I would like to know your thoughts too. But like, what do you think when a cycle is lost? What's the ideal time to try to get it back? I typically try to get it back in four to eight weeks oh, after yeah. a prep. And, and I'm just I think making women aware that it's not normal to not have your cycle for six months, eight months post show. Like it's almost like 
I know, I know girls talk and it's almost like it's an accepted or let's not really discuss it, but girls, that is not, that's not how it should be. Yes. We understand to get to extreme levels of body fat, especially for a female, it can and might happen. But the goal is to restore that as back as possible, fast as possible, back as possible. Um, but within that, that's again, it goes to the point that you need to be eating food. I've, I've had so many times happen where a girl was sticking to her, her reverse, like her rebound diet, reverse diet, whatever you want to call it. And there was no cycle. And then she went on a trip with her husband or went away and had a few, you know, a, a slice of cake or a cheesecake. I like to call it a cheesecake diet. Um, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, Matt, like my cycle's back, you know? And it was like that caloric spike mm -hmm. in a relaxed environment yep. where they were enjoying themselves. And it's like the body's like, okay, like we can play ball again, yeah. you know? And, and that's it's so important. Yeah. Getting it back. So the way I approach it now, um, as opposed in the past is I get the, during a prep or even I honestly do this with lifestyle clients too, is I put things in place to be proactive during that, like deficit that we're putting them in to support the things that are, because what we're getting off kilter here is typically progesterone is going to tank. Right. That's, that's going to obviously disrupt or going to ovulate, um, which is a main component obviously of having your cycle. Um, the obviously estrogen is going to drop as well. Obviously all your sex hormones are going to down regularly. Yeah. So we're going to put something in there to be proactive and to support that as much as we can. It's still going to downregulate to an extent. Right. Um, and support them. So even if they do lose it, once they come back into a caloric surplus, we support it. And we're continuing to support it after the fact with those same supplements. It comes back. I honestly want it to come back depending on how I should say how long it, they didn't have gone it. For how it, long was right. it gone during the prep? Yeah. And that's going to give me a good eye of where we need to be as far as bringing it back. Right. Um, but yeah, there's, it shouldn't be longer than six weeks, eight weeks at most. Um, I definitely think two months is, is, is at the top end of the echelon. Um, and if it's pushing past that point, you, you, you need, number one, you need to get tested. Like I, I get all my females, like you test as soon as it's over with. I, I even test them during the middle of prep too. Yeah. Cause I want to see that down regulation. Like how far off are we? How much more do I need to support you? And um, we can talk about kind of supportive things that we'll put in there. Um, but this, being the proactive, getting it back, same scenario coming up, as Matt said, to increase the caloric surplus faster than what they like. Yes, ladies, the, the weight is going to come back on to a degree. We're not looking to gain excess fat really fast, but it's you have to get to a certain body fat for your cycle to come back. That's the whole point of why you didn't or why you lost it to begin with. Yeah. So we need to kind of like be realistic here and bring your health back because, I mean, this starts at an early age for females. Girls in high school. In athletics, yeah. That happens. are training six days a week, two yeah. hours a day. They're not eating near the amount of food that they need to eat to support that. Then they're going to the doctor and being put on birth control because of all these symptoms, quote unquote. Right. And then it's causing all these issues. And then that down the road to like their mid-20s and stuff, they're wondering why the hell they've gained all this weight. They can't lose it now. And they used to be athletes looking great. And that's why. They, they push these extremes. So same scenario with lifestyle with competitors now, guys, if you're dieting to these extremes, that's okay if you're in an acute period of time. But again, it's an acute. You can't make that chronic and just try to stay lean all the time because yeah. you're going to have all these down regulations and you're going to suffer. Trust me. If you saw what I saw on a daily basis, it would just like shock you that I'm seeing 23 year olds, 30 year olds and 45, like every age that are having these issues because of what we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Um, how often do you, how often do you see or have females coming to you that have been under eating 
um, and even overworking for extended periods. Oh, of time. I, well, I think that's in a, in a lot of camps and a lot of coaches mindsets. That's, that's the mentality all year long. Yeah. You know, if you, you look at a lot of these women's diets and peak of their off season, the most food they're eating, you're looking at 40 grams of fat, 150 grams of carbs. And that's high. They're, 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 they're being taught to think that that's a lot of food. Um, something else too, I think that's really important with getting the cycle back. I, I am in terms of mental toughness, in terms of the mental approach, like I am all about that, but I think that there needs to be some shift between the, the contest rigidity of your schedule yep. versus once that contest is over, you have to kind of start to let some of those tendencies go. And that's why I brought up the point of like women going away on a weekend or a trip, like, and just and relaxing, and even even you and your post, I notice you know s- Saturday night and and Sunday you take off. Mm-hmm. That's so much more than just getting away from work. That's allowing sure. body systems to rest. I notice that for myself, like my bowel movement frequency, even on a Sunday, which is my off day, is greater. Oh, and right. I honestly think it's just because I'm more relaxed. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, there's there's people like even myself. Like when I'm in prep, I, I lay out all my pills the night before. I'm as rigid as I can with my schedule, and and that's that's what we as competitors love. Like there's so many people that love that prep environment, which is great. I'm all for it. Do it as hard as, and, and go as hard as you can. But when the prep is over, like let some of that go and just kind of go back into normal life because it's so important for your body systems. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point because people don't let go of that mindset and it's a year round thing. And they try and to hold on to it. It's they like, can't enjoy family functions. They can't enjoy vacation and right. relax. Like, Oh my God, you're not going to track your food for two days on vacation. You're not going to, deteriorate and lose all your muscle, gain all this fat, unless you're just being a complete asshole and eating retarded amounts, obviously, of junk food. Which you, you if you're doing that, then you don't have a good, healthy relationship with food in and of itself. Sure. That's a whole other issue. Sure. Um, but you have to let these tendencies, as Matt said, let them go, relax a little bit more. This is where I say, like, okay, when you're trying to be great, there's not really such a thing as balance, per no. se, but there's still a, a balanced mindset that you can achieve. And it's okay during the offseason when you are in a surplus – to relax a little bit during occasions and maybe one day a week or whatever. So when it comes time to push the gas pedal uh, and flip the switch, you've done your body a service during that period. You've relaxed your mindset. Your stress is reduced because guess what guys, when you're going into a diet scenario, stress is going to go right back up. Yep. So yep. you need to manage that as well as you can during that off season to make sure your prep or your just dieting phase. If you're a lifestyle client, is exceptional and you get the progress that you're going after. There's so many people that I'll test run a dieting phase for them and if nothing's happening in like four weeks. I'm like, we're pulling the plug because me just continuing to slash your calories is just not doing you good. And I honestly, at my, at this point, my career, because obviously I deal with a lot of functional health at this point. Um, I, I, I do testing. I don't let them start with me unless they're going to do, I don't care if you are healthy. I want to see baseline. I want to see, are you actually healthy? Right. Because they might, they may be, yeah. But there could also be things you just don't see. Yeah. Um, and like, oh, wow, we just need to correct this little thing here. And then, you know, we're good to go. So with me now, like, that's just a, I, I have to have it done. Yeah. Hold that thought for a second. Something else, just going back to what we just talked about, stress and, and food. Um, one thing that I always try to bring up in these in these talks is like LeBron James, the, the best athlete in the NBA. After the finals every year, the man disappears off the face of the earth for a month. Okay, so we're talking about the greatest athlete in our current generation. Takes his family, gets off of social media, completely disappears. You can't find him. 
Why is that? It's because he knows within his system, in order to maintain his output all year long, he needs that break. So if the best athlete in the world needs that break, then we as amateur competitors that are doing something that's not putting any food on our table, we certainly deserve to give ourselves a break. And then something else, too, um, with Nick. You know, like since Nick's moved down here, I've made it a big part of his plan to have cheat meals, which he never had. Oh, yeah. And the reason why is I see this young guy with so much potential, so much passion, and I don't want him to burn out. I don't think that he needs cheat meals from a calorie perspective because we can get them in, but I do think that he needs to be able to enjoy life and experience life. And if that's a way that we can have a more relaxed day with him, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, so yeah. that was that was a huge part of when, when he came down here because I, I knew, like, all last year we spent two weeks together at my home. That was the only cheat meals he had all year. Um and then what was the last thing you said? You just said something else. I was going to transition into something else, and now I forget. <laughs> That's the great thing because I don't remember this. That's okay. Um, yeah, so anyway, <laughs> those so, two points. But the good thing, like the, the thing that you mentioned there with the athlete mentality. Okay, guys, so you need to get takeaways from like, like – Oh, I remember now. Keep carrying. Health, health and fitness is the only industry where they don't promote – a, a real like downtime off season. This, this is like 365 right. days a year. No team, no days off, but team, you, no sleep. You want to be in as elite as a, as a professional athlete, like LeBron James, but you don't want to take the time, the downtime and the, and the, uh, you know, the stress management and all that stuff to make your body that much better to go to the elite level. Right. You think these guys are playing basketball 24, seven, three, six, five. No, no. They go all out for their season. They back off, refresh, reset, and then they go back into doing what they're doing. In the fitness world, it's just more, more, more. That's what, yeah. the, that's what the selling point is nowadays. The right. marketing is just, you got to do more, you got to do more. Obviously, and then eating less sometimes is put in there with that. Yeah. You, you can't put those two scenarios together. So if you want to take something away, you want to be like a professional athlete, well, then act like a professional athlete. Take that time away that's needed to recoup, reset, let your body kind of rejuvenate, bring these systems up to, and basically online, functioning properly, and then you're going to excel at whatever you're trying to do. Yeah. You had asked me earlier on one of the biggest things that I changed within my coaching process and going back to blood work yeah. at young coaches. Like if you guys hear anything that we just talked about, hear this at one point within my coaching career, I think I was afraid to ask for blood work up front because I didn't want it to deter that person from working with me in fear that their blood work was bad. Um, and that's one of the things that I've changed. I request blood work from everybody up front now whether it's immediately or as soon as they, they sign up within their consult process, they're getting blood work because I want to know because ultimately it's our job to do the best that we can to help people. Um, and if you don't know what their internal function is, you could be leading them down a path of destruction. And, and yes, I'm also on the side that a person's choice are their choice, but yet we as coaching professionals, whatever you want to call us, we still have the responsibility to lead people in the right way. And that yep. starts with knowing where they're at internally. So don't be afraid. Don't, don't correlate money and sales and providing for your family in a negative way with asking for blood work up front, because really you're doing that person a lot more of a service by creating and making them aware of the situation that they're in. Yeah. Like, so sometimes we got to get to the root cause of what could possibly may or may not be going on, but we, d we don't want, like, if we don't get blood work sometimes or Dutch test or whatever, we don't want to be one of those coaches that are putting Band-Aids uh, on, on a wound that requires surgery. 
right? So you, sometimes you have to dig deeper to find a deeper issue that's possibly going on. And if you're just constantly putting a Band-Aid on these little symptoms and just pulling the symptom down but not treating the actual root cause, you're not solving anything. You're just actually digging yourself into a deeper hole that you're going to have to try to dig yourself out of later. Right. Right. And we need to get ahead of the curve and just have the mindset of being proactive within what we do and not reactive and like waiting for something to go wrong and then just react to it at that point in time. Um, so the more proactive you can be with something, the better progress is going to be overall. Your health is going to stay in a better place. Now let's, let's touch on the health. Like when kind of in your coaching career, did you notice for your own mindset, like you did shift more towards that health encompassing of health with the performance and not just like getting them lean, getting them shredded and making them look better. When did you transition? Now I know you're full circle, like your supplements and the plans, yeah. the, the blood work and your approach, obviously with the dieting and all that stuff. Yeah. What was there a light bulb moment in your head with, was it with yourself or was it with an athlete to where like, okay, I need to start digging deeper here? Well, I think there's a few things. Um, I, the awareness that, that Dante Trudell has brought to the industry is something that I really appreciate. Yep. Um, I, I think there's an interesting dynamic here. I work with a lot of men. I, I do work with women, but I would say a greater overall, not I would say a greater overall percentage of my, my athlete base is men. Is yours women? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd say about 65% or more. Okay, women so, for sure. so obviously another huge situation happened in my personal life with losing Dallas. Um, and as best as I can, I don't ever want to have to go through that again because it still impacts me to this day. So if I can just help and create more awareness through, this is why Dom and I wanted to start the, the to start Revive. Um, I started basically asking my athletes to get more and more supplements to, to deal with base. Again, it goes to organ function, uh, lipids, cholesterol, things of that nature. And Dom was working with me at the time. And he's like, man, this is such an extensive list. Like, why don't we do something to help make this easier for people in terms of combining ingredients and things like that? So I would say the three turning points for, for me was Dante Trudell's impact on the industry, uh, losing Dallas, and then Dom giving me this opportunity to create a platform to make health. Again, Chris said it at our first, we had our first company get together in November of 2019. And he basically thanked Dom and I for making healthy the cool thing to be. And it's kind of stuck because they were like, wow, like that's that without saying it, like yeah. that's what we've tried to do. Yeah. You know, just just making it like, you know, a lot of issues within bodybuilding for years, whether it's bikini, like every every division, it's like, oh, let's just sweep this under the rug. Oh, I haven't had my period in eight months. Let's just sweep this under the rug. Oh, you know, my HDL has been at 12 for over a year and a half. Let's just not talk about that. But like creating awareness. And then also even, you know, even Alan said like, he said on the extreme end or not on the high end, like getting your period back within eight weeks. If you're listening to this and you're like, wow, that makes me feel bad. Like I haven't had my period in eight weeks. That doesn't mean that you can't get fixed and you can't have yeah. help. It's more so like the whole purpose of this revive MD, this podcast right here is creating awareness of, of what things should look like. Yep. And then if you're not there helping you guys understand why possibly doing things, for example, Alan's very versed on, versed on the Dutch test. I'm not. He's actually helping me learn them better so I can be better facilitate that process for my athletes. So just as you guys might be feeling overwhelmed hearing this saying, well, I'm not fitting those parameters that you guys are meeting, that's okay. You know, like that's why we're doing this because we want to help. We want to create an environment for change. And you're not going to create an environment for change unless you speak about these things. No. 
we don't want to be the the coaches who we want to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Right. right? That's a huge part. I mean, in the reality too, you can get rid of a lot of medication if you're healthy lifestyle and you're supplementing with the right thing. And this is the whole thing with supplements. Would you rather be taking more of a natural route supplementation form or a medication that has a lot of side effects and, uh, and ill effects on the body? I mean, we look at statistics and 70% of Americans are at least on one medication. 50% are on two and around 20% are on five or more. Like that's, it's not a good thing. 70% yeah. on a medication. Um, I can't tell you the amount of people we've pulled off medication because the doctor, and it's not their fault in and of themselves because they're they're taught to treat symptoms a lot of the times, but that's just what they're doing. Right. You come in with a symptom, irregular periods, here, I'm going to give you birth control to regulate your period, not understanding what else is going to occur with that. Yeah. Um, or whatever medication, on a cholesterol medication, whatever it may be, but hey, let's correct your lifestyle. Let's Let's fix your nutrition. Let's manage your stress. Let's give you a natural supplementation to bring these levels down. And guys, we have plenty of blood work to prove that this stuff works. Um, to help people live a healthy, balanced life and not rely on these medications that are actually doing a disservice to your body in the long run. Yeah. Um, it's such a good feeling, too. Like, the, I get it several times a week. Hey, I started taking blood pressure, and now I'm no longer on blood pre- pressure medication. I started using lipid, and, and now I'm not having to use any st- you know anything for my cholesterol from my doctor. Like, hearing that, that's why we started this to begin with, you know, and, and on the female side, we are working to expand our our female platform and and what we're providing for you guys, because we're, we're aware and, and Alan, you know, he's continuing to just educate and further his own education, which is something about you that I respect so much, like that, that you guys have things that really can be resolved through vitamins and herbs and, you know, those support systems, nutraceuticals, and it doesn't have to go down the, the medication route. No, I mean, the amount of people that we've pulled off thyroid medication or we pulled off the uh, uh, statins and, and things like that, if, if, and it's all done with natural routes, is insane. Now, guys, I'm not saying there are cases to where, you need like, something. HRT. Yeah. Like, if you've been tanked for so long, I've had females that, that didn't have their cycle for, like, six years, and we did everything the way we were supposed to try to get back naturally, and it just wouldn't do it. That's why HRT is developed. That's why we have the clinic here is to support what's basically suppressing your body isn't making anymore. Now, those are a little bit more extreme cases, but again, we're trying to optimize your health. So if that needs to be done, that needs to be done. But we're also using things like bioidentical hormones and stuff to do that to what your body would already naturally produce anyways. We're not putting things like statins in your body that's going to have all the other negative effects along with that. But like Matt said, like the development of, a, of the supplement company it, which is like why it was a no-brainer for me because I mean, Matt knows me like I'm, I'm health, health, health. Um, and when it was just like, oh, this is like a pure health baseline, which has never been done in the industry. And of course, people were saying it wasn't going to be successful. We've, that's been proven wrong. Um, that's the evolution of this industry. If you don't, to some degree, understand a little bit of functional health, hormones, balance, blood work, all that integration along with macros and training, you're going to kind of be left behind in the industry. I'm just telling you that right now because that's the way it's trending at this point. So you need to understand this stuff and start educating yourself, learning, and it's always evolving. There's, it's never going to be this is the best method. Like even with the, the Revive products, they're always looking to reformulate, reformulate yeah. like, improve things and, and better those. It's not going to be, oh, this is a product. Now let's go on to the next one. Right. They revisit these 
how can we make this better? Because there's new compounds coming out, new herbs coming out, new research on this stuff. And then we're always trying to evolve with that to stay ahead of everybody else. Because guess what? People are going to copy formulas. People are going to copy this and that. That's okay because then we're going to be a step ahead with everything else. Yeah, if, if you don't have the research behind it and you're just able to read a label, any, anybody can read a label. Yeah. But what is those products? I mean, the, the like, uh, diversity in the, in the demographic we have here on the team is insane. Like with Will Wallace and everybody, like you guys have no idea what's behind the scenes here and what's going into product development yeah. and looking into the future and things that are coming down the pipeline um, on the health perspective. Um, and that's what we're trying to do with the company. Um, and Matt and Dom has done a phenomenal job and they're always investing back into the company. And you can see now with, with people they're bringing on, it's uh, like with Sam Miller or them, like it's more educational stuff as well. So you learn along the way. Um, not that obviously we don't have athletes as well, but it needs to be all encompassing. Sure. Yeah. It's about creating value. It's not just about, we, we, we kind of did this internal meeting and, and wanted to do a shift because ultimately the more you guys understand that the, the more successful revive is going to be. Um, it's not, it's not about just, you know, grabbing a product, if you, reach. <laughs> you know, do it. It's not, it's not about this for Instagram for us. It's about understanding, looking at a label, looking at, you know, a name of a product mm-hmm. and being like, okay, this is going to help X, Y, and Z. Why is this going to help X, Y, and Z? And, and that's our mission. You know, we don't want people just blindly buying things. We don't want to just be this hype company. We want to, again, create awareness, create a situation where you guys understand how these ingredients, how these specific products can help you and then tailor them to whatever. Again, it starts with the blood work. It starts with knowing what's going on, being aware of what's going on, and then tailor them to those needs. Yeah, and like even there's, you don't need to take all of our products that we have. Like, like from A to Z, you don't have to take every single thing. Hey, but everybody has a specific situation to where, yeah, of course we have our foundations. Like everybody should be taking omegas and multivitamin. Um, you can K2, argue D3, K2, yeah. D3. Yeah. Um, yes, there are some staples. And then when we get more specific into the women's health product um, into uh, the glucose, I mean, there's, there's products that are very specific on individual needs and what they uh, need to take to deal with whatever issues they're dealing with. It could be the lipid formula or whatever. Um, and we tailor that to them. Um, and within that is we also will tell you if you don't need something like, okay, I'm taking all these something, you know, I need to add more to it. We're not going to just say, yeah, just add four more of our products just to sell that because yeah. number one, at some point there's going to be some overlap if you're taking all these products. Yeah. I mean, two examples. <laughs> one is I just pulled one of my girls off of, uh, our greens formula this morning because I think that there's a, an issue with her digesting the greens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I know with you, you know, Women, our women's health is not for every, every female. Um, and, and that's, that's something that I know that Alan is passionate about educating on because it, this is not a, a product that every woman should blindly be taking. It's based off of her individual needs or your individual needs. Um, so again, like we, we don't want to just be product pushers. We want to be educators and, and then through proper education, you guys deciding and taking what you need ultimately based again off of your blood work. Yeah, like with the women's health is like, and we've talked about reformulating it to a degree to where it can be a component to where it's safe for pretty much everybody to take. So it's not going to really hurt them. And, and not to say this is going to hurt you by any means, guys, but like, like it has a little bit of DHEA in it. And in certain like health scenarios, like health cases like PCOS, you don't need to be adding more androgenic compounds to that. And DHEA is a precursor to androgens. We probably don't want to push that pathway 
too much, right? right but we right. put that out there and it's actually written on that. You shouldn't be taking it. So, you know, alert here, like it's put on the bottle, but if you're not paying attention to that, pay attention to it or just ask us, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, Cause I know people will say, it'll say women's health. So they just automatically think health. Um, but again, we're trying to reformulate that to where it's all around companies, but for the most part, it's a phenomenal product. Yeah. Um, and it's something that can help bring back somebody's cycle. We can put that in their plan that, that can be part of the being proactive, dieting somebody down. We're going to support with pregnenolone. We're going to support the other pathways like progesterone, testosterone, DHEA as well. The, we have DIM in there um, to balance estrogen and push back into that protected pathway of estrogen detoxification, all kinds of benefit. And that's what we're talking about being proactive with our supplement line and how you can help not necessarily prevent something from happening, but make it to where when you come out of a deficit or if you've lost a cycle, it can come back a lot faster, sure. right? Yeah. Um, and to make change, guys, I mean, it all comes down to mindset, your environment, and behaviors. Those are the things you kind of need to change with this. Like our first line of therapy is always nutrition, lifestyle. Um, and then on top of that, we put supplementation. Um, and then after that, if we need to add in more extreme cases, you know, HRT or something, we do that. But it's got to be all encompassing, guys. You can't just take a supplement and you're going to be great. You can't just have a great nutrition plan and then train seven days per week and be great, right? Yeah, yeah. There, there has to be, that's a balance, right? Yeah. We've got to balance those things. Um, but if you're going to be elite, like a, a pro bodybuilder or, or a pro NFL, whatever, yeah, you're going to have some sacrifice in there. You're going to push your body to a level it probably doesn't really want to go, but you're doing what you're doing because you have passion for it. But along the way, just try to, to mitigate any type of negative consequences. So, you know, when it's time to heal the body, like doing the off season, like you talked about LeBron taking the time off that we can negate any of that negative feedback, so to speak within the body and better ourselves. Um, is there anything you can think about that we haven't touched on as far as evolution of coaching? I'm sure there's a lot more. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I honestly think I'm really encouraged where, where coaches are at right now. And I think coaches are starting to really push and challenge other coaches to continue their education. I think that that to me is, is a big thing is that Huge. coaches within the industry should be continuing their education. And if they're not, um, that could be a pride issue. That could be whatever that is. I, that That's something that, that would caution. I would be cautioned by. Um, as if that individual is not willing to learn anymore or advance anymore, then, then that might be somebody that you might want to reconsider. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think ultimately more than anything, Alan and I just wanted to get in here today and just one say that, no, we don't have all the answers. Um, the, the greatest teacher that we can continue to have is experience, you know, experience and being willing to change and adapt. Um, and, and that's really what coaching is all about for us. And that's why we're so passionate about it. But, you know, starting out, I, I, I'm very blessed to have the career that I've had in coaching, but at the same time, like, I think every year I get better simply because I'm, I'm still wanting to learn more. I'm still wanting to kind of, another thing too, that we haven't really talked about here that as a, as another podcast in general is just learning how to com effectively communicate with your clients. Oh, and, yeah. and the more experience you have, the better you should get at that. And I think that's so vitally important within our industry is just being able to effectively communicate. Yeah. I mean, yeah, guys, we'll definitely do some more podcasts. we got a lot of topics that we can cover within that. Um, but communication is huge um, because if you can't communicate the client to the coach, or the coach to the client, 
there's going to be a lot of stuff lost in context. Yeah. Um, especially if you're an online coach doing uh, purely like email communication, a lot of stuff gets lost in translation. Yeah. Um, Text is also, it, it's, it's hard sometimes to effectively communicate via text because the reader can interpret uh-huh. and put the tone on whatever you say, which could really take it out. So it, it, what I notice is I do all my check-ins through WhatsApp. So when I have a, a check-in that I feel like is going in a negative direction, I immediately just memo that person and say, look, like I'm not upset. I hope you're not upset. This is what I'm trying to say. I think you conveyed it this way. And, and if somebody can hear and connect with your mm-hmm. voice, that's also a big deal for them. Huge. Like I do the voice memos when it's needed. Um, occasionally I'll get on a call with them, uh, whether it's a Zoom call, um, especially if I'm going over like extreme cases with Dutch and stuff. I have to like, I don't want to just do a test and them not know what the hell I'm, it is. Like, wow, is this guy just blowing smoke up my ass? Right. Or is he like, what's going on with this test? Because obviously you've seen him like, they're sure. like crazy. They're, yeah, they're uh, But if you can communicate like and break it down, and if, you, if experience brings you that, like the more you learn, the more knowledge you have, you should be able to explain things in a simplified manner. I'm, I'm, it irks me to no end to people that do have a lot of knowledge, but they talk so far over, over someone's head said, yeah, yeah. on social media or whatever. There's no takeaways. It's like, oh, great, you know all these... Uh, Technical terms. words yeah. and terms and blah blah blah, but where is the real world real world application to this, right? Because if there isn't none, then you're doing a disservice to the people who you're actually trying to reach, or you don't have a lot of real world application in and of itself. Because there's a huge difference between being book smart and knowing hormones and pathways, and then putting that into play. Because I've had tons of clients to where I've had to correct health issues. And we went off the beaten path many times and outside the box of what yeah, was said. Yeah, it's experience-based and it's yeah. not just, yeah. Yeah, so tech, you get good at, terms. like, kind of, I don't want to say, like, reading to the future, but you can predict how things will probably go, especially the longer you work with somebody. Yeah. You can predict how their body is going to respond so you can kind of stay ahead of the curve, so to speak, and you right. can keep them progressing in a manner, whether it's with refeeds, how often you do them, pulling back training, giving them more, giving them less, and like this person responds to this and someone else may respond completely different to that. And right. that's the experience factor with all this. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for turning, tuning in for another podcast. Um, obviously we will have, we'll, Matt. Do a lot, we'll do a lot more of these. We'll, we'll have Matt back on pretty soon. Obviously he's, we're all right here in the same building, which is nice. Uh, but please leave us a uh, five-star rating, a great review, subscribe to our YouTube channel, all of our, um, iTunes, Spotify, all our outlets that we have, because uh, any support that you guys give us will always help us put more information out. If you guys have any comments, obviously make comment below, um, or you can obviously DM Matt, DM myself, and then we'd be happy to get back to you. Thank you guys for the support.